Go to Luke 24, verse 13 through 35. I want to share with you two other witnesses that could be you and that could be me. We heard from the Roman soldier. And bear with us as I read this text, and I'm going to ask you to grace us with your time this morning. It's Easter Sunday. We might go a little long, but just gracious with your time. Amen. If you are in Luke 24, verse 13, let me read this passage in its entirety, and then we'll come back and deal with it a section at a time. If you're there, say amen. 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 I'm reading from the ESV, and it says this. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. Verse 15 says, while they were discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad, and one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief elders and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now three days since these things had happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they, him, they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is towards evening. And the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he sat at the table with them, he took the bread. And he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them, don't miss this phrase, in the breaking of bread. If we can put our big idea on the screen, I just want to pray, and then we're going to go into the message this morning. Encountering Jesus opens one's eyes to the truth of his identity and results in them becoming a witness to his resurrection. Next slide. 
I am a witness. Are you a witness today? <laughs> I'm a witness for Christ. Bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, as we go to your word, speak through me, God. God, I am still celebrating this week. Thank you for everything that was communicated. Thank you for Gordon, God, sharing his heart and sharing the perspective of a Roman soldier. God, now we look at us. Those of us who comprise and make up the church, as we look at this passage today, we open our hearts to hear, to receive, to be in tune. I am praying something would be said that would encourage someone here to join the bandwagon of the truth of your resurrection and become a witness for the cause of Christ. So God, as the word goes forth, if there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, draw them to a relationship. We give our heart, we give our time to you. Be glorified in everything that is said and done. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. What you need to know by way of literary context in the passage that's in front of us this morning is the truth of everything that that soldier just shared with us. But what's striking about the text that's in front of us today, the time frame of this particular narrative is three days following the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You all know because this was Passion Week that Jesus was just crucified on a cross, he was crucified for my sins and for your sins. He was crucified for the sins of the world. If I may be so bold as to say, we are now at the end of Sabbath and the festivities are over. And no one up until this point in time, based on Luke's perspective, has seen Jesus. So all hope seems gone. All hope seems lost. And then Luke picks up for us, he gives us the perspective of two individuals that are going home depressed, downtrodden, brokenhearted because what they hoped would happen did not happen. And so they refused to be witnesses for Christ. <laughs> and so now they're on their way back home. And some of your translations may refer to these guys as disciples. They may refer to them as followers of Christ. But the first thing, if we can put the first thing on the screen that I want you to know before we even walk through the text this morning, is that if you're going to be a witness to the resurrection of Christ, you must wrestle with the truth of his resurrection. You can't be shaky because it'll break your heart. You can't be downtrodden because it'll break your heart. We must wrestle with the truth of the resurrection of Christ. Look at the story and look at me from verses 13 to 16. Notice what it says. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking with each other about these things that had happened, verse 15 says, while they were talking, and then Luke uses an interesting word that I'm going to call a euphemism for the word arguing. He says they were discussing. <laughs> They were discussing together, and then notice this. In the midst of their conversation, Jesus himself shows up with them, but I must pause here. But the author says their eyes were kept from knowing, seeing, or recognizing him. Now, you must see what's happening here. Jerusalem was the center of activity for the past, but particularly this particular Passover feast. And now the Passover is over, 
And you must understand with me that Jews from all over the region had come to Jerusalem to witness Passover, to see what was going on, and then they were faced with the fact that this man who called himself the Messiah was crucified on a cruel cross. So now, Jews from all over Jerusalem are being dispersed. So here's what you need to know. These men are traveling back to the village that they came from, and the author says they had made their journey about seven miles northeast of Jerusalem on their way to Emmaus. And as they were going down the road, the author, if you, if you were to do the research on the Greek word for this custom, it really could mean they were arguing, they were conversing, they had intense conversation that went something like this. Man, I thought he was the dude. Do you think he got up? Nah, man, it couldn't have happened because nobody has been raised from the dead and you sure, man? I don't know. I, I don't know whether he was raised from the dead or not. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this dialogue, in the midst of this discourse, the author says, Jesus shows up. And watch this. And he is walking with them and conversing with them. And the author pointedly says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I need y'all to say this. Say they couldn't see him. Just, just say it again. Say they couldn't see him. Now, here's what you need to know before I even deal with the word kept. Jesus then looked no different than Jesus before the crucifixion. The same fellow who showed up was the same fellow that was walking around feeding the hungry, come on, clothing the naked, doing the miraculous thing. It wasn't like he died and all of a sudden he got a facial makeover and his appearance changed and his beard disappeared and he looked like a completely different person. The same Jesus who was walking with them is the same Jesus who they had seen before and now after his resurrection he shows up and they're walking with him but the text says they were kept from recognizing him. Him. I'm trying to say if you're going to be a witness to Christ, you must wrestle with the truth of his resurrection. They were kept. They were kept. They were kept. The grammar in that word kept, it, it's, it's real interesting in how it nuances the verb. It could be either in the middle voice or it can be either in the passive voice. Let me explain what that means. The middle voice says that the, the subject of the verb is causing the action to happen to themselves. So when it says they were kept, Luke could be communicating two things. Number one, he could be saying they were keeping themselves from, rec I wish I had somebody in here, from recognizing him because of their circumstance or situation. Let me help you understand what that means. It is possible for Jesus to walk with you and you not walk with him. Matter of fact, I think I'm comfortable in saying to all of us to hear that by virtue of the fact that you are alive, he's walking with you. I wish I had somebody in here. By virtue of the fact that you woke up this morning, he's walking with you. By virtue of the fact that you've got a job to go to tomorrow, he's walking with you. By virtue of the fact that you've got food to eat, come on, uh, uh, beverages to drink, a home to live in, where breathing is air, he's walking with you. So the question is, are you walking with him and keeping yourself from seeing him? Reflexive middle. They were keeping themselves because of the circumstance. 
Here's a passive voice. Because they weren't open to who he was before he died, God kept them from seeing who he is after he rose. <laughs> That's passive, right? The divine passive. They didn't do it. Somebody else was doing it. And Luke is trying to communicate either they did it to themselves or God was keeping them. Because check this out. The whole time he was doing all that miraculous, they were looking, but they didn't believe. They saw him, but they were just like the rest of us, looking to see who he really is. But they didn't believe in him. So now, post-resurrection, the text says, they are conversing there, dialoguing. Did we miss something? Did we not know who he is? So number one, you've got to wrestle. I want you all to hear me this morning with the truth. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, do you really believe that he got up? To the other neighbor, say, other neighbor. Said, do you really believe that he got up? But the second thing, and let's kind of walk through this. Now, this is, is a lot of reading, so I want to talk through this. So here's the thing. If you're going to become a witness to the truth of the resurrection of Christ, not only do you need to wrestle with the truth of the fact that he got up, but here's the other one. You cannot have a faulty perception of Jesus' identity. And, and the problem with Christianity today is a lot of us have a faulty perception of who he really is. Look, listen to what, let me just kind of say this and then I'm going to read a couple of parts of it. Listen to what verse 18 to 27 is telling us. These fellas are walking on the road to Emmaus and they've made a distance of about seven miles and they're almost there. Because when we get to verse 32, we show that they showed up and they made it to their journey. They're almost there. Jesus shows up and he's listening to this dialogue just like he's listening to us today. Man, who are you guys talking about? Cleophas stops and he says, dude, they were brothers. Where you been, man? And, 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 and he's like, what things, dude? And say, haven't you heard what's been going down in the hood? And about this fellow named Jesus, man. Dude, when he was here, man, he had a food bank going. We can go shopping, man. We didn't need Obamacare. You get sick, you call on Jesus. <laughs> you know? I mean, he, he, this dude was working it, man. I mean, but now, now talk about word. I mean, word was all up in him. I mean, when he preached, I mean, he kept you on the edge of your seat. Hankies were flying, wigs were going, all kinds. Because dude had word, man. Matter of fact, funeral homes were going out of business. Because processions would start, he'd just walk up and tell folk, get out of coffins. Man, demons possessed folk that were living in graveyards. He'd go in the graveyard and cast demons out of folk. I mean, this dude was hooking us up. We had to hook up the hookup. We, we, we thought, we thought, matter of fact, we thought he was a prophet, just like the rest of them, right? Because he came doing miraculous things. He came doing all the things that the prophet did. And then they said something interesting about him secondly. They said, we thought for sure, based on what he did, he was the deliverer. We thought for sure. 
This is it. This is it. This is it. It's fitting to go down. It's fitting to go down. Rome is about to be overthrown, and Jerusalem is going to set up its empire. He's going to deliver us. But I don't know, man. It's been three days because we heard him say that tear this temple down. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. So we waited around for the third day. And it's three days and nobody has seen him. Matter of fact, you know, women, they're always tripping. <laughs> Don't charge that to me. Our women went to the grave early. And it says that they got there and they come back talking stuff, but they seen an angel who told them he's got up. And then the brothers listened and they went to check it out and they hadn't seen him. So, man, he's no deliverer. He was nothing like an ordinary prophet. And then our chief priests, they killed him. They didn't know you missed the play. He had to die. <laughs> they killed him. So guess what? We're going to Emmaus because it's not going to happen. Are you going to go with us? Now, church, that's the danger of the church today. If you don't know Jesus' true identity... You're going to relegate him to being solely a prophet, and this is what it's going to look like. If he doesn't do for you what you expect him to do for you, you discredit him. God, you're supposed to keep my mama alive, but she died. You must not be God. God, I wasn't supposed to go through this divorce. You must not be God. God, why did I lose my child into cancer and to the car accident? You must not be God. And a lot of us don't have faith in him because he didn't position himself as our cosmic genies. And so now we're upset. Now we're mad. Now we can't worship right because he didn't do for us what we thought. Listen to me and don't get upset with me. You don't fool yourself into thinking for one moment that Jesus left his home in glory. Travel the cosmic constellation like the Baptist preacher would say for 40 and two generations. Now, let me leave that alone. You know, he, he, he didn't travel all that cosmic constellation, all that stuff, so we can live these, these prosperous life and, and get stuff from him. No, 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 no. You can have your stuff right now. I want my stuff when I get to go to glory to be with him. He came to seek and to save the lost, so he had to die. And if you think he's coming to overthrow Roman empires and to throw, overthrow earthly empires and you don't see him coming as the person who gave his life so you and I could be saved, yeah. <sighs> we have a faulty perception of who he is and will become disillusioned and we will leave Jerusalem, go home and hang up the towel. And a lot of us don't have faith in God today. Because, secondly, of a faulty perception of who Jesus is. Is this making sense? Thirdly, as you put the third thing on the screen, let me say it this way while I put it up there. For you to be a witness of Christ, we must get to the place where you allow Christ to come in and he reveals himself to you. I'm going to say it like that intentionally. You must allow Christ to come in and he reveals his true 
identity to you. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, have you let him in yet? Tell your other neighbor, say, other neighbor, do you know who he is? Mm. Let me jump down to verse 28. Look with me at verse 28. Let's read. And we're going to see this. Say amen if you're there. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And I like this. And he, being Jesus, acted as if he were going further. 29. But they urged him strongly to come in saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And look at verse 30. And when he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And verse 32 said, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked with him on the road and while he opened up scriptures? Now, one of the things that I didn't say, I'm going to say it now, between verses 17 to 27, is the fact that Jesus had to go from Moses all the way to just about Malachi to explain to them who he was, and they still didn't get it. Just like y'all just didn't get it. Because if you did, you'd say amen a little louder. No, you still don't get it. You didn't get it because I ain't told you what it is. They were depressed. He showed up, and he walked with them, and they say, what's up? And he opened the Bible, and he taught them from scriptures, and they still didn't get it. It's no different than you and no different than me. We go through life, and we struggle with life, and we come to church, and we hear a word, and we say, word, but we still don't get it. And so we go home to us, say, oh, come on, come on, come on. For some of us, he's been walking with us for 40 years and 30 years and 60 years and, and 70 years later, we're still living in the same sin. It's not like we didn't hear the word. It's the truth that we just don't get it. So all the word does is it rests on our ears, but it never enters our heart. It doesn't get no better than Jesus himself preaching to you. You'd think after Jesus opened the scripture, the word would resonate with you. But had Jesus left there and they went on into Emmaus to their home and he continued his journey, they would have never became witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. So watch what Jesus does. They're walking. They get to the house. Here's Cleophas. Hey, Jesus, come in, man. We got some pork rinds and collard greens, sweet potato pies, ham hock, Easter meal, man. Come on, dude. Leftover Passover stuff. And Jesus pretended, nah, I'm not hungry, knowing he's starving. I'm not hungry today. But then the author uses a strong verbal phrase. They strongly urged him. Here's the thing. Jesus never comes in unless you give him an invitation. Yeah. 
Jesus, you don't understand. Listen, man, you're, you're exposing some stuff, and I need more. My appetite has been wet, and I need more. So you must be tired from your journey. Notice the setting. The sun is going down. Come in and rest with us to give us more. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the key is you've got to ask him for more. Come on, tell him, say, you got to ask for more. You can't just rest on what you get on Sunday morning. You've got to bring him in your house. Take him in your home so he can give you more. So, 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 so. I like the text because it says, up until then, these two fellas were directing the conversation. They were in charge. Jesus goes into the home and roles immediately switches. Read with me, because y'all didn't see this. Look at verse 29. They urge him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when they were, when he was at the table with them. Notice the first pronoun, who took the bread? Come on, come on, come on. If I'm at a guest to your house, I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to let you serve me. Come on, are you with me? If I cook the meal and I invite you into my house, I'm going to prepare the meal and serve it. Are you with me? But notice the, the switch in this role. They got into the house, and once Jesus put foot in the home, they were no longer in charge he was. I wish I had somebody in here. The reason I can't make it in life is because when I go home, I don't let God be in charge of my home. I'm in charge and all the crazy stuff, come on, life plays on me because I'm still in control in my home. If Jesus enters your heart, you give up control and all of a sudden he, oh, I wish I had somebody in here. I, all of a sudden he is in control because he has entered in. Come on, say neighbor. Yeah. Come on, say like I said, neighbor. Yeah. Give up control. Come tell him, say give up control. A lot of us can't worship right because we're still in control. Let him get in. They prepared the meal, but he served it. They prepared the meal, but he served it. They prepared the meal, but he served it. Now, the mistake a lot of you are making on the text right now is you've already gotten to the place of isogeting the text that is telling it what it's saying because you're falsely assuming that he served them communion. You are. Because I did. See, I wish this was a Baptist church right about now. Because folk would say, oh, you right, Reverend, you right. I thought that too. <laughs> These two guys were not part of the 12 disciples. So the only people that were in that room when Jesus was serving the Lord's Supper were the 12. So the text is not talking about him serving them um, the communion because they had no framework on what that was all about. So what is this issue of him coming in, him being controlled and serving bread such that once he broke the bread and he served it, his identity was made known. They had no idea who he was, but the text says, and even ends like this in verse 35, it was in the breaking of the bread that his identity was made known. If you were to read Luke's in its entirety, the only place these two fellas could have been 
when Jesus broke bread was when he fed the 5,000. Remember, dude, he was a prophet. He was raising the sick. He had a miraculous food line. We saw him do all this stuff, man, but then he died and nobody has seen him. But had we seen him, we would believe who he was. So Jesus takes them back to the feeding of the 5,000. And he sits down, just like he told them, sit down. What do we have? Two fishes and five loaves. And then if you do the Greek work, the same, the same verbs are used, the same terms. He took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them. And then all of a sudden their eyes were open. <gasps> we saw that when there were 5,000 people. Oh my gosh. You're the same dude. They Experience him, and in the experience, their eyes were, oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Listen, listen, listen. The reason a lot of us don't believe God is because we haven't seen him do nothing yet. Oh, I wish I had somebody. If you're like me, and he healed you from cancer, you can show up to somebody and see him do the miraculous and you will recognize him. Come on, if he brought you from a drug overdose, you can go to the next person and you will recognize him in the experience because of who he is. If he's healed your marriage, you'll recognize him in the midst of turmoil and know he's the God that did the experience. If he has done the miraculous for you, you will recognize him, listen to this, in his actions. And a lot of us, our eyes are still blinded because we haven't invited him in to show us what he can do. I got this, God. I know how to make money. You don't need to give me no job. Let him in. I got this job. That knucklehead child that I got that's always acting up. Don't worry, I can fix this. Don't come in. I got this. 40 years later, you're still wrestling with it. I got this, God. I don't need to invite no spirit in me to deal with my addictions. I can do it myself. 60 years later, you're still strung out. Don't forget... He's walking with you. You're not walking. Yeah. Don't forget. Don't forget. And if you're wrestling with the truth of his identity because you really don't believe that he got up from the grave, come on, you won't allow him to do what he's supposed to do. Maybe you think he's still a prophet. Maybe you think his, he, he's some sort of a deliverer and you forgot the fact that he had to die. So you fooled yourself into thinking Jesus is dead. Now, oh, baby, he's gotten up. And watch this. The same passive verb is used this time absent the middle. So let me tell you what that means. God opened their eyes and they had no role in God opening their eyes. If God has done anything for you, are you with me? And watch the text how it ends. Put the fourth thing on the screen. 
And let's wrap this up. Look at what it says in verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned where? To, to what? And they found, now, now mind you, the sun was going down when all this sorted out. But all of a sudden they got up from their seat and they're making their way back to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were there gathered together. You see how they made it back to the rest of the disciples now? Saying, the Lord has indeed risen and has appeared to Simon. Listen to what they're saying. Hey, y'all, Simon wasn't lying. That's what they said. Then... They shared their testimony on what happened on the road and how he was known to them. Look at the phrase, in the breaking of the bread. Encountering Christ opens our eyes to the truth of his identity and it results in us being, being witnesses to his resurrection. Here's how I want to end this message on Sunday morning. Jesus is walking with you. Ask yourself, am I walking with him? Secondly, I need to stop fooling myself about who his identity is and trying to make him something that he's not. And then thirdly, it seems that I need to invite him in and let him take control. And then fourthly, if he takes control... I'm qualified as a witness, not because of what I did, but because of what he did for me. Here's my conclusion. If you're here this morning and you have not invited him in, considering the numerous journeys he's taken with you and with I, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I want to admonish you, do not Leave here the same way you came, without inviting him in. I don't know whether these two guys were Christians or not. I don't know how unsaved they were. I have no framework of that. The author doesn't give us that detail. All I do know is that their relationship gave them access to the disciples, and they needed to invite Jesus in for them to become witnesses. I'm saying that to say this. If you are not saved, the principle applies. If you are saved, the principle applies because it calls for a level of surrender. I got to get out of the way so God could work in me. So as the worship team comes this morning, I want everybody to search their heart. Search your heart. Look within yourself and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you doing in me? And I want to begin by saying, don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about who is looking at you. Don't worry about what people may think about you. Position yourself to allow Jesus to come in and take control. Let him be in charge. So bow your heads with me just for a few moments. And as Brother Marcus leads us in a song, just bow your heads. Ask yourself this question today. Number one, if I were to die right now, would I go to be with Jesus? Number two, is Jesus Lord of my life? That means is he fully in control or have I been in control? Three days after the resurrection and these guys still didn't get it, all the word they've heard. 
My problem is I don't let God in sometimes. And I want to be in control because I think I can fix it. The beauty about God is he accepts us just as we are. He doesn't ask us to change anything Then he comes in. He just comes. So wherever you find yourself this Easter Sunday morning, I want to give you a chance to just let him come in. 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 Our ministers are going to come, and as they come and stand here, we want to take a moment to pray with you. And if you want to give your heart to Christ, we want to give you a chance to do that. If you want to rededicate your life, we want to connect with you. If you just want a prayer, we want to connect with you. This is what it's all about. And then when we can invite you when you come, we just want to follow up with you. So Minister Annette's going to be over there just to pray with you a little more, just so we can get some contact information. So if we would all stand to our feet this morning, let's all stand to our feet and...